Gina. Life, love and laughter. Hi, I'm Gina McKee and welcome to Clyde 2's Life, Love and Happiness podcast. So this is where I get the chance to talk to some fantastic, inspirational people who really have gone the extra mile in their life, whether that's personally or in business. I want to find out what makes them tick. This week I'm joined by a paranormal enthusiast, or I would probably say ghost hunter. His name is Jimmy Devlin and his passion in life is the paranormal. So I asked him, first of all, what exactly is a paranormal enthusiast? Enthusiast. This goes way, way back from when I was a child and experiences that I've had and um, possibly guidance from my parents as well to a degree, but I've always had a fascination um, with ghosts and, and uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that, it's pretty much snowballed from when I was younger all the way up to present day. I would, I would describe you as a ghost finder, ghost hunter from what I know and what I've read, right, okay. you know, obviously about yeah. you. Yeah, well, I did set up a website um, 10 years ago and I needed to name it with something. So um, I couldn't just call it Jimmy Devlin. And there was so many paranormal groups that were out there, but I was doing it as an individual on my own. So I thought, well, okay, um, what can I use? So the Ghost Finder General was uh, was an idea, and I thought, yeah, that that kind of sticks. So I kind of I kind of nicked it from the from the Witch Finder General, obviously from from way back. I understand but, um, that. If you're looking for a Ghost Finder, Google Ghost Finder. Jimmy Devlin well, pops that's up. It. That's it. So that 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 was the idea, and um, it was just basically a. Uh, Initially, a, a, a blog with regards to places that I had been, my interests, um, and findings that I had. And from there on, it's just obviously snowballed. So. I'm really intrigued by, by what you do. And okay. I know this is your passion in life. And yeah. these podcasts are all about what makes people tick and, and sure. their passion. And if there's one thing about you, you ooze the passion for being <laughs> a paranormal enthusiast. But I want to really know how it started. Can we go back to like sure. your first experience of... Okay, well... It, like I say, it really stemmed from my parents. Um, I'm, I'm, I have three older sisters, so I'm, I, there, there was four of us at home. And um, Dad was a bookbinder. He was a bookbinder to trade. So we were never short of literature at home, let's just say, for one reason or another. And um, other than that, other than working as a bookbinder, he did his national service. And he used to tell me these stories when he was in the RAF about these haunted RAF camps. Um and my parents used to play with a spirit board when I was younger and I always used to watch. So because I had three older sisters, there was always one would babysit. And my parents would go out, say, on a Saturday night. And um, whenever my mum and dad was coming home and I could hear the taxi pulling up, if they had their friends with them, I thought they were going to play that Ouija board. So I used to, sit, I used to watch. And, and how old were you? Uh, well, I was a kid growing up in the 70s. It was the late 70s, so I was probably eight or nine. Um, at the time and I never really understood it but I was always fascinated with it well, but you um, weren't afraid because I remember when I was a kid a Ouija board it was very much don't don't ever mess with the Ouija well, board well I never I never knew what it was but I think at that time I think it was the late 70s that the movie The Exorcist had came out and so there was a big taboo with regards to that oh, so, I can just hear tubular yeah, bells now yeah the tubular <laughs> bells so so that, that was you know a lot of people were talking about the movie obviously because of the fact that it was banned as well and it obviously created more interest and so it, it came from my parents really when I started watching. I, start, I used to start watching them. And I can always remember this book that my dad had. And um, there was this bald guy sitting on the front with a pipe in his mouth. And I never knew who he was. I, latterly, I did. His name is Harry Price. And he's quite a renowned uh, paranormal investigator. And um, I thought it was Kojak. You know, <laughs> you know, the time of the guy with all Kojak, the yeah. who loves you, baby. I thought it was a who loves you, baby guy. But it was this guy called Harry Harry Price. And if you ever Google Harry Price and Borley Rectory, which is one of the most haunted places in the UK um, before it was demolished, well, it caught fire and then it burned down. 
Um, so 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 he, he was the guy, Harry Price. And my dad used to tell me stories and show me pictures. So it pretty much grew from there. Um, and we always had a belief that there was something in our house. My three sisters would talk. My dad would talk. And um, everybody used to talk about this wee girl that they used to see. So much so that my dad mistook her for one of my sisters at one point and um, told her to get back to bed. Mum used to work night shifts, so dad used to have us in the house. Um, and so my youngest and my three sisters, she looked like her. And um, without going into great detail, um, I had an encounter with her as well uh, when I was um, maybe about eight, nine, ten. Now that, that, that would kind of freak age. most people out. Well, you know, it did. It shocked me. I would say it shocked me more than scared me um, because initially I mistook her for my sister too. So it wasn't when, when people say that they have an encounter, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a scary one. I think it was just one more of acknowledgement to let, to let us know that she was there, if she was letting us know that she was there. But again, for a kid that was under 10, and even you know even more now, um, children of a younger age, they're more susceptible, and I think that they can see things maybe that our minds as adults close off to. So uh, you know, I hear of a lot of experiences where children um, maybe see things more than what adults do, and it certainly happened to me. So these experiences went on in our house for a while, for a while. And so with that, there was always, you know, um, I, I can remember in my latter high school years, you know, if everybody, I, th I think you guys call it an empty through <laughs> yeah. here. So if everybody had an empty, so if a parent's house was out and... Party. Like I said, yeah, so my sisters were older and um, if I was ever babysitting for them, you know, I would go around and we'd have a few friends around and everybody else would do what they do, not me. I had a friend whose dad had this vast library about witchcraft and spiritualism and that kind of stuff. So we would get together and play with spirit boards rather than anything else. So I was kind of a weirdo then and people kind of call me a weirdo now in a sense just because of the way um, and the things that I, you know, because of my interests. I don't think you're a weirdo. I no, think it's fascinating. I, I, I love it, you know, and it's a subject that I could talk for hours on because everybody has their own perceptions and their own beliefs. But at the same time, most people have had at least one experience or know somebody that has. So why do you think, especially nowadays, people are so sceptical? Well, I don't know. I think people are just a wee bit more closed-minded and move on and with regards to science because science can disprove quite a lot of things. But at the same time, I think with the field that I'm in, um, sometimes you're on a hide into nothing because if I was to produce something that was, let's just say, for instance, we had walked down the corridor and I had caught something on film and it was so clear and concise to say, look, look what I've caught, Gina. Um, somebody would say, well, it's that good and it's that clear and concise. It's probably been faked. Mm. Um, whereas to the other end of the scale, if it wasn't and it was maybe a bit, you were maybe a bit unsure or the picture wasn't clear or, you know, that could be anything, then that's the argument you've got. So a lot of people are more closed-minded mind these days um, with regards to the subject because with technology you can fake anything now as well so people are a wee bit more you know they're a wee bit more standoffish with regard to it So what would you say is your ultimate goal you know what is it you really want to achieve Jimmy I mean this is obviously it's your passion it's your life but what, what yeah. do you want to really achieve? Well there's a lot of things you know I love visiting historical buildings but I mean it's not always about that you know people always think that when, when whenever I visit somewhere it's somewhere great of a historical note and it's not always the case. It can be domestic properties. It can even be places of work. You know, it can be anywhere. And and nine times out of ten, when people experience stuff, they're going about their normal day. Um, you know, they don't have the equipment that we use. So sometimes it's all about being in the right place at the right time. And that's the difficult part. 
So with all that mixed together, I love to travel. I love to look at, I love to visit different places and I love to hear people's stories. Whether I could ever, ever prove to the world that there is something there or not, well, I don't know if I ever could because I think sometimes... Do you um, want that to be a legacy? Well... Who knows? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it would be great. It would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. For, uh, but, there, you know, like I say, there are always going to be people there that I'm never going to believe anyway. And I'm never one for it to put my opinions on other people. You know, I do have public events where people will come along now and again uh, and I encourage them to take part. Um, and, you know, again, it's a mixed bag of energy. People that come along, some people are really enthusiastic. Some people are absolutely terrified with the concept of even going in the dark and using the equipment. Um, and then sometimes it's people who have been dragged along by their partner because they don't want to go on their own. And usually it's these kind of people that actually experience more because I think um, w with regards to their approach, they're more open because they think, you know, nothing's never, never going to happen. And sometimes it actually does. So, so yeah, as it, there's a whole host of things that keeps me involved with this. You know? I'm interested in the scientific part where, and this is not necessarily to prove to the sceptics that, mm. oh, look, I have connected with the spirit world, but sure. let's talk about some of the equipment that you use, I suppose, to try and, what would you say, try and show other people, demonstrate that actually we've connected. Well, yeah, but I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the equipment that we use is theoretical. You know, it can never be proven. There's never like a device that's ever been invented that's ever going to prove the existence or non-existence of what I'm looking for. Um, so we do have um, different types of equipment that are theoretically um, uh, an enhancement of your senses. Okay, like what? Well, okay, so uh, we, we have equipment that measures the atmosphere um, with electromagnetic fields. Now, obviously, that's everywhere, and it's actually it's man-made. We actually generate it ourselves if we want to get scientific and break everything down into protons and neurons. And electrons. Are, yeah, and I yeah, studied. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if we, if we really want to break that down, we actually generate an electromagnetic field anyway. But there's, there's a theory. So if we were in this room that we're in at the moment and I had done what we would call a baseline test and I was to measure, um, you know, for high electromagnetic fields, we could obviously discount that. And then if I was to place some of the, 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 the meters that we would use, the meters or the equipment that we would use that measures electromagnetic field, the theory... Now, there's a theory, and the theory is that if there are any spikes, if we can obviously omit anything that's man-made with regards to maybe say our mobile phones, we would switch them off. But if we were to omit anything that was man-made and if there was any spikes or breaks in the atmosphere um, of a particularly or said haunted venue, um, it, they could possibly be attributed to spirit trying to draw energy from the atmosphere. Okay. Okay. So this is with regards to electromagnetic field. That's the theory. That's the theory. So people would then take pictures and um, with regards to the type of device that you're possibly using, you could use it as a modern day Ouija board for communication as well. Or a spirit board, sorry, I keep calling it a Ouija board. Uh, or a spirit board. So um, yeah, you could use that as a modern day. So what that basically does is it enhances your senses with regards to the atmosphere around just things that you can't see. Um, and then obviously with regards to your hearing, um, we use voice recorders. Now, there are so many different types. There's always a new invention now coming out in the paranormal field, if you like, um, pretty much every week. Um, I use the old style. I'm a bit of a dinosaur in that sense because one thing replaces another, replaces another, replaces another. And for me, I think it kind of distracts you from what your focus is because if I was to investigate anywhere, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, I would say that any report of anything has usually been experienced by someone who has no equipment. 
So in that sense, the best equipment is possibly your senses mm -hmm. because you've either sensed something, you've seen something, or you've felt something. But there are voice recorders that I use and one in particular that was withdrawn from sale from Panasonic and it's a voice-activated recorder. Um, and um, for some reason, when it came out for sale, it was only on sale for um, a matter of months and then Pan Panasonic withdrew it. Uh, it's a digital voice recorder, but it doesn't have a USB, um, so it shows you how old it is. Um, and they're very sought after now, and they're like hen's teeth. Um, and for some reason, when people were using them for their purpose, um, they would return them back to Panasonic because the, when they were using playback, there was voices in the background. Um, so they've now been withdrawn. So, do, 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 yeah. do, do, so if anybody out there's got any because believe you me how much are they worth now well they'll go for four figures now for something Ooh. that possibly cost maybe say 20 30 pounds even at the time you know so I've been lucky that I have two or three um, or, you know um, so. incredible this is Gina. Gina life love and laughter Clyde 2 you've got so many stories and so many examples yeah. of of what you would say, I suppose, connecting with spirit world. Sure. What has been the most fascinating or disturbing one for you? One that's really left an imprint on Jimmy's brain. Okay, well, I won't mention the venue. I won't mention the venue because it, it does operate as a business and sometimes, okay. and I must admit, this was way back in 2009 um, and I think they were a wee bit miffed with me because I did put my findings online and I didn't think they wanted me to, so um, I won't mention the venue. But what I will say is it's, it's your classic, it's a castle. And um, if it's a wedding venue, it's a usually hires out for a wedding venue, and it's um, let's just say a stone throw from Edinburgh. Okay. Okay, because there's like, a few. Yeah. There's a few. All right. So I'm. 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 We're not being too specific. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be too specific, but I'm uh, obviously going to feel a bit vague as well with regards to it. So I had hired this place for myself, pretty much. It was it closes for four months in the year, or it certainly did then, um, because of the weather and where it is of its remoteness. So um, I'd managed to hire uh, this venue. And um, the only person that was in contact with me was a manager. And he was in one of the cottages which was on the grounds. So basically locked me, never locked me in the castle, but, you know, I was in the castle on my own. And um, this castle had a particular room that was quite famous for activity. Whereas in the 70s, they had uh, called out the clergy to uh, exercise it. And it has a bit of a history. Um you know what, I'll call it the Red Room because that was its name. It has a Red Room. So if anybody really wants to listen to this and, and do a bit of research, they probably will find it. Um, but this room had a, a particular name because of the blood marks that were on the wall. There was something that had happened way back um, with regards to a local girl and um, the person that lived in the castle. Um, and they had done away with her. And oh, uh, So this, 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 was this, this was the story. So this was my main focus. You know, this was a castle that had three floors, many bedrooms, has dungeons, a garrison, ticks all the boxes that you would think of as a castle. So the time was roughly, I don't know, it was just after midnight and um, the guy who was um, in the castle grounds, I was in touch with him but with a radio, with a two-way radio. Um, so I'm lying on this four-poster bed, lording it up with all my equipment in the dark uh, and I'm just basically asking out some questions to see if I could get any responses. And then all of a sudden I heard a door slam, a really loud slam, now, I have to tell you this part. I'm trying to paint a picture here. So mm -hmm. um, the bedrooms go up off a spiral staircase, okay? And this bedroom is maybe up in the middle of the castle, uh, in the middle of the castle. And you just basically step off the door. To go up the spiral staircase, you go up the spiral stone spiral steps and 
The doors are very low, obviously, because in those, te- those days people were a lot shorter than us. Um, and you just step into the room. So I opened the door and it had one of these, um, you know, th- these things at the top of the door that closes the door, one of these door pulls. Mm-hmm. And it was a really heavy door. So it was quite a significant door puller, if you like. So I went to the door of the bedroom that I was in, opened the door, held the door open with my foot and stepped out onto the staircase. You could hear a pin drop. I mean, the castle walls are so thick, you know, they withstood all of our Cromwell's cannonballs, so they're certainly going to withstand the noise and the wind and everything from outside um, of a winter month up there. So um, you could hear a pin drop. And you could obviously hear the echo as well when you're on the staircase. So I had shouted downstairs. I had one foot on the stairs and one foot holding the bedroom door open. And I shouted down and I said, is anybody there? And there was no answer. So I pulled my radio and I radioed to the guy and I said, where are you? And he said, I'm sitting in the cottage. This, like I say, this was the early hours of the morning. He was sitting watching a rerun of X Factor or something. I don't know. Um, and he says, everything okay? And I said, no, no. I said, I just heard a door slam inside the castle and I just, you know, I just wondered if you were, if you were around. And he had said no. So I thought, okay. So went off radio. And then I shouted down the stairs again. I said, look, is, is, is that you? Are you there? You know, I was still thinking it was this guy, you know, because the sound was too good. <laughs> you know, it was too good. Um, and the next minute, there was a series of four or five steps. And I don't know if I'm allowed to tap the desk or tap my feet here on the floor. Yeah, yeah, but okay. yeah, so, so they, were, they were kind of staggered. So there, were, there was these footsteps coming up this stone staircase. And they were obviously getting louder. But if you can imagine, oh, this look, is if you can imagine looking around a stone staircase, obviously uh, a stone staircase, you can only see so far down, and obviously when you're leaning down. So if you if you can picture this, I've got a, a, a camera in my hand with a viewfinder folded out. Um, it's completely pitch dark all the time because of the the flare from the camera, the lens, because I'm looking in night vision to try and see if I can capture something that's coming upstairs. So there's a series of five or six steps, and then they stopped. And, and again, there was this quietness. So I shouted down again. And I said, look, if you're there, can you come a bit closer? Can you let me know that you're here? And then there was a silence again. And then the next sound that I heard was another step. But this time, within each step, there was a breath. So there was step and then a... And then a step. No. And you have to understand the acoustics in this staircase, this stone staircase, you know, it travels so mm-hmm. far, so, so well. So there was four or five. And I thought, wow, this is getting really close to me. And I was new to it then. You know, I was new to it then. I'm a wee bit hardened now. Was there was part of you that was scared? Very. My heart was racing out my chest by this point because I thought, you know what? I'm here myself. And sometimes you think, this is so good. Is it real? So everything was going on in my mind. So what I did was I repositioned myself on the stairs and I took my foot out of the doorway and the room door slammed with this god-awful bang all the way up the stairs and it gave me the biggest fright ever. So like I say, a series of steps and then there was another five or six and I thought this is getting closer and it's coming closer and it's coming around the corner. So with the door banging to the side of me, it gave, me, it gave me a fright. I kind of lost my footing on the steps a bit. Uh-huh. I repositioned myself, tried to calm myself down because, like I say, my heart was beating at my chest by this point. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to ask one more time because whatever this is, it's, it's coming closer around the, around, around the corner of these stairs. And I thought, if I ask again, I'm going to see something. I'm definitely going to see something. 
So again, you could hear a pin drop. And I shouted down, Are you still there? I had one foot in front of me, so I was sideways on the stairs, with the camera trying to point round the curve of the, the staircase. And before I got a chance to say anything else, in my left ear, all I heard was, it, oh. With the door slamming, it had passed me on the stairs and it was then behind me. Oh. Okay, so this was now behind me. There was no footsteps, but just this heavy breathing in my ear and it was a constant breath. So I'm looking the wrong way. So I know this is behind me now. It's breathing heavily in my ear. It's behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I'm in a castle on my own. So I knew nobody else was there because whatever it was had passed me on the stair. You know, there was a distraction of the door bang. And I froze, Gina. I completely froze. And it was one of these moments that I'll never forget. And I'll never forget that castle. So what did I do? I kind of pretended to ignore it for a sense because I have this on film. Oh, I would I, love to see I this. I still have this on film, but if anybody was to watch it, and, and th this again, this is another thing. If I was to post this online, everybody will say, it's you, it's your breath that you can hear. So what I did was I pinched my nose and I put one hand over my mouth mm -hmm. to make sure that it wasn't my breathing that I could hear. Your mind is playing tricks, exactly. Yeah, and I thought, well, okay, so my, if I'm heavily breathing here, it's going to travel on this staircase, but it didn't. And it was freezing cold on my left-hand side. So I'm looking down to my right, down these stairs, and behind me and in my left ear, there is this... Oh. <sighs> Gosh, did you turn around? No, I didn't. Oh. Do you know what I did? <clears throat> I slowly made an exit down the stairs because I just never knew what was going to happen next. And I thought, whatever this is, it's interacting with me. You see, a lot of um, hauntings or ghosts or spirits or whatever you want to call it, we would call it as a residual and it doesn't know that you're there and it's it's like a video recorder or a, or a tape recorder playing itself over if you happen to be in the right place at the right time you'll witness it you know there, there's there's a classic one where these guys were um refurbishing a cellar in york and there was painters and decorators and electricians and these guys all witnessed this roman army walking from one wall to another it's, if, you know, wow yeah so <clears throat> but they were from the waist up. You know, you couldn't see their legs. They could see horses and everything. So they were walking from one wall to the other. Now, that was a residual. There was no interaction with these men or these horses or what they could see. But this was like a, a sighting that was actually witnessed by more than one person. So these are the ones that science kind of can't mm -hmm. explain. Other people, if it was someone on their own, then possibly you can explain it away. So what I was, what I was experiencing on the steps at the castle that I was in um, was something that was intelligent. It was obviously interacting with me. And if it could make those noises, there was nothing saying that it possibly couldn't physically push me or do something to scare me more where I was going to fall down these steps. Because you've got to remember, these steps were old. Mm. I was in the dark and I couldn't really see very well. And I thought, if I get another shock or another fright, you know, I could possibly um, hurt myself. So what I did was slowly, very slowly, step by step, just start to walk down the stairs towards where... Um, the original bang had came from um, and there's a couple of turns around this staircase which takes you to the Great Hall and um, so I, I, I sat down in a chair next to this roaring fire in the Great Hall and just had to try and come to terms with what I had experienced um, and I found the door um, 
that the original bang had came from, and that was down in the dungeon, which was another oh. another flight down, if you like, another another turn down. So whether I was lucky enough to experience that, I don't know, because like I say to you, um, sometimes you've got to be in the right place at the right time. But whatever that was, knew I was there, and it was obviously there for interacting with me. And you know what? That particular castle is famous for a lot of things. It's famous for a lot of things uh, with regards to ghosts, but not that. And what I did do was I did some research laterally, and I did find out, um, and you've got to remember, this was back in 2009, so possibly your internet search isn't as good mm-hmm. then as what it is now anyway, you know. Um, and what I did find um, on this American website, they had, you know, they had done a, a, a story on this castle, and this particular individual, um, I, I think they said he was a chancellor, but I think he was basically he looked after the finances of the family that owned the castle, and he was trying to diddle them out of money. Oh. So they burned him. <gasps> and he haunts that back staircase. Oh, now, you know, and it was only laterally, I've actually made an approach again to go back there. It's one of these places. That was my next question. Yeah. You must want to go back. Well, I would love to go back, but it is now under new ownership. But funnily enough, when I did speak to members of staff, there was one who had experienced the same thing. Not exactly the same, but footsteps and heavy breathing on those back staircases. So on the back staircase. So um, it wasn't just me. And, oh, I you know, think you this, have to go this, back. this was years apart. Yeah. And that's the fascinating thing. You know, this is someone who had obviously passed a couple of hundred years ago. And I'm being able to, in some shape or form, being able to communicate with them to a degree because of the fact that they know that I'm there. For whatever their purpose, they're still there. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's the fascinating part for me. Jimmy, I just feel that in the next podcast, we'll be discussing the castle. <laughs> the castle. <laughs> the castle yeah. and what happened next. Truly, what an inspirational person you are. I love the fact that this pretty much is your life and that you've got so many incredible stories. I mean, that's just really yeah. just touched on that. If someone did want an experience with you, where would they find you? How do they connect with you? Well, probably um, I'm... I'm obviously on all social social media platforms. Um, if they wanted to get in touch with me, they, they, you know, they can look for me that way. There is a website there as well, um, the Ghost Finder General. Um, but usually, Jimmy Devlin Ghost and Google will usually find me. Um, so yeah, and um, I'm not, I'm now starting to um, broaden my 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 travels again. Um, I, I was kind of um, operating just in Scotland for a bit, but we're, I'm now starting to move further afield. Because obviously I travelled in my younger years. Younger years, I feel old. It makes me feel old when I say <laughs> no. that because because I've been doing this for a bit now. But yeah, you know, one weekend I would be in Devon. The next again would be Manchester. Or the next again weekend, you know, I'd be away up north. So you're going global. Um, is that your next sort of project? Is really um, to not... well, I would love to say international paranormal okay. enthusiast, but you never know. You never know. Um, I've only ever been on the home shores so far. Um, I've worked with a lot of people from from overseas, but um, I've yet to experience that for myself. Because you know what, I think we're spoiled here, especially in, in in Scotland. You know, we have so many historic places, and I've barely scratched the surface of the places that I need to visit, even in the years that I've been doing this. Clyde Two, big thanks to Jimmy Devlin for giving me goosebumps and also popping into the Clyde Two studio for a great chat. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and comment. I would appreciate that. I'm Gina McKee, and don't forget to join me through the week on Clyde Two's Home Run Show, and I'll be back with another batch of life, love, and happiness next week. Gina, Gina. life, love, and laughter.